of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Bringing a whole new attitude to your afternoons. It's Kenny and JT on News Talk 1480 WHBC. Big day tomorrow for college football. Early signing day. It has uh, overtaken uh, the one that happens in February as uh, more is made about it. A lot of players going to put their uh, John Hancock on the dotted line tomorrow and let everybody know where they're playing their college football and uh, you've got that for the Buckeyes happening tomorrow. And then uh, not too far away, you've got the semifinals of the college football playoff against the Georgia Bulldogs. To talk about all of that right now, let's go to the hotline and bring in the fantabulous OSU beat reporter at Letterman Row. Follow him on Twitter at Tim underscore May Sports. He's the one, the only Tim May. How are you, Timmy? Pretty good, road signs. How are you doing, man? I um, miss you. <laughs> I've missed you as well. I'm doing better. Was under the weather a few weeks ago. I'm getting my energy back just in time for Been National there, Letter. Of... Been yeah. there. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, no, National Letter of Intent Day and then the playoffs. We want to start with tomorrow and the 2023 class. Uh, you follow this a lot closer than we do, Tim. How does the class look that Ryan Day will get tomorrow uh, as long as there are no setbacks with somebody uh, going elsewhere uh, for the 2023 recruiting class? Yeah, or they may end up getting somebody, you know. I mean, uh, that's kind of what's on the line tomorrow with a couple of other guy, a couple of guys nationally. But, uh, you know, this is a decent class, you know, that uh, we all know that, you know, uh, Brock, Glenn, Brock Glenn, the uh, the quarterback who decommitted uh, – what month a month or so, month and a half ago, but they they filled in with Lincoln Keenholz, uh, the kid from uh, Pierre, South Dakota. Who knew those Who knew those words would ever come out of my mouth? Pierre, <laughs> South Dakota. I remember they signed an offensive lineman from South Dakota. Can't remember the kid's name now. He only stayed here for like a couple of years, but uh, was I believe to be the first player ever signed to a national letter of intent by Ohio State in football from South Dakota, and. Uh, uh, so we'll see how Lincoln is. I mean, this is, a, I mean, I'm just starting with the quarterback because guys, it was, it was paramount. They get a quarterback in this class mm-hmm. and, uh, whether they were kind of going for the brass ring and trying to get two and it kind of like turned maybe Brock Glenn off is not, you know, maybe we'll find out tomorrow a little bit more about it or whether he just saw a better opportunity, uh, going to where Florida state, I think is where he ended up going, uh, flipping, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, with, C.J. Stroud, it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I've got about ten things going on in my brain at once here when we talk about this because C.J. Stroud, obviously, we all expect him to leave, right, even though he wouldn't say that for uh, for 100% the other day when we were, we were getting to talk to him, and uh, which is interesting. We, You know, you know, Ronnie Hickman is leaving for the NFL, as uh, he alluded, uh, before the, even the Michigan game. Uh, one of Ohio State's safety has been a starting safety for a couple of years. But – you know, we all expect C.J. Stroud to leave because he's going to be one of the at least top two quarterbacks taken and we're probably one of the top ten players taken in the draft, depending on whose who's rundown you see. But that left them with two 
scholarship quarterbacks in Cal McCord and Devin Brown maybe going into the spring. So it was paramount to get at least a one quarterback with this class. And, uh, you know, preferably you'd like to have four sitting in that room who are all scholarship guys who haven't come from somewhere else. But a program like Ohio State, it's very difficult to have a room like they had almost a year ago now. It was like actually about 13, year, 13 months ago. They still had Quinn Ewers and Jack Miller in that room. And, of course, Quinn Ewers uh, transferred to Texas, became their starter. And Jack Miller started for Florida the other night in that bowl game. Uh, he had been a journeyman at Ohio State. But uh, it is hard to get a a room full of four- and five-star quarterbacks and expect them all to be sitting there three years later. So that was key. And then, of course, uh, this class, if it, if it shines – above any other maybe in the country or, or at least as well as any other country in any other in the country is in the wide receiver room uh, because they're getting four guys that they really like, one of whom is Brandon Ennis. Depending on which uh, uh, ranking you look at, Brandon Ennis is considered uh, one of the elite, if not maybe the best uh, wide receiver prospect in the country. And uh, so they start with that. But, you know, Brian Hartline and really to a certain extent, uh, Ryan Day with the offense that they run, uh, they're still gleaning uh, the creme de la creme there when it comes to wide receivers, and that's just a room that's going to get deeper and richer. Tim, everybody, you, know, you uh, got you got the NIL involved now. <laughs> that's that's exactly where yeah. I was going to go with this NIL and the transfer portal right now. And you start thinking about: Has there been more of an emphasis now on losing these guys because of the fact that? Over the years that you've been doing this, it seems like the focus is on flipping, transfer portal, or scholarship. Where do you go? Uh, you know, Ohio State's only lost, what, three guys of the transfer portal so far. Of course, it helps that they're in the college football playoff. Uh, I'm talking about in, across the team. And then number two, yeah, they had a couple of, th- a couple of two or three guys flip. But, I mean, when you've got the considered one of the elite teams in the country, uh, signing classes in the country, I'm not putting a – Spin on this. I'm just saying the way it is. This is fact. You know, Ohio State's still recruiting at this moment. Still recruiting a safety that looks like he's going to Alabama. I mean, they're they're in it until the uh, until you put the ink on the paper. So uh, the competition is there from that standpoint. And then, of course, you know, uh, what's we're, we're talking about a whole other show when we start talking about uh, transfer portal and NIL and recruiting and NIL and the combination. Uh, and how it's being um, bastardized to a certain extent right now, and no one really has an answer for um, the putting the vibe out there either surreptitiously or straight up that if you show up at school A, you're going to basically get an NIL deal worth X amount. And uh, and for the uh, of course the big time players. We're talking about something maybe in in the mid six figure range minimum uh, that that's going on. You know, obviously Ohio State has got some a couple of collectives uh, that that you know work on behalf of Ohio State in the regard of, of the NIL theater. Um, but you know, it's it's really hard when you start talking about this about where you start and where you stop because clearly things are running a slightly amuck as we speak. Tim, you brought up uh, Brandon Ennis. Uh, they've got him ranked 11th overall rivals, and right behind him at 12 overall is Carnell Tate. So two wide receivers back-to-back in oh, yeah. the top 15 
five-star guys going to Ohio State, one from Plantation, Florida, and I'm going to have to call my buddy uh, Don Zelotti down there at the IMG Academy because that's where Carnell Tate is coming from to get the 411 on him. Uh, what about defensively, Tim? It, to me, we know this team c- can score with the best of them, right? Defense yeah. has still been the problem well, the last minute, few minute, years. Wait a minute. Do we know that? As I brought up to Ryan Day a couple of weeks ago, and I don't think you really liked it, but their three losses the last uh, two years, uh, the offense, which was averaging 45, 48 points a game, scored only 23 against Michigan, 27, I think, last year against Michigan, and 27 against uh, Oregon. You know, okay. we'll talk about that in the pre bowl buildup in a few minutes, but that's something they definitely need to address, just like the defense. Go ahead now. Okay, no, that's fair. But uh, defensively, who's the last impact defensive player this team has had? Do we have to go back to Bosa? Is he the, the Chase last? Young. Chase Young. Okay, Chase Young came after Bosa. So Chase Young, is that oh, the I last? Think, I, I think JT Tuimoa is an impact player. I mean, uh, yeah. I, mean, I think he has the potential to well, be. I mean, I've seen it one game, oh, no, but I not mean, like. Dude, I mean, he had, he, had, he, had, he had one of the greatest games ever by a defensive end in college football history at Penn State this year, and he has made plays off and on uh, through through that, you know, the, this year. He's, uh, you know, even the Boses, they weren't always sacking everybody they ran into, and neither was Chase Young. Chase Young had that phenomenal game, for example, against Wisconsin his third year, uh, but he didn't have that every week, uh, but he was a presence. J.T. Tuimoloau is a presence. I guarantee you Georgia is game planning with J.T. Tuimoloau in mind when it comes to pass protection, et cetera. But I see where you're coming from. I, I mean, the funny thing about this defense this year is is you got five plays in the Michigan game, but, hey, they count. Matter of fact, they really count. <laughs> they all went for touchdowns, right? right. Five plays yeah. that accounted for 355 of Michigan's total yardage in that game. I mean, yeah. all for touchdowns, as I called them. Not not uh, impact and not the explosive. Those were incendiaries because they yeah. they burned. Man, it's still smoking. Ohio Stadium is, but uh, uh, but otherwise, I thought this defense played pretty well, except for giving up these three or four plays a game, which you know uh, kept the other team in it to a certain extent, and you know, so it's it's a really involved answer because. For example, in football as opposed to basketball, it is extremely rare that you sign a player on signing day, be it the first or the second one, and the next year he has a ridiculous impact, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You can get a running back that can do that. You can get a wide receiver that can do that. But football is a developmental sport, you know, unlike basketball where you can sign a center and a guard like Ohio State did with Connolly and Greg Oden that one year, and suddenly they're in the Final Four. Matter of fact, they played for the championship. Uh, right. You can do that with basketball, but in football, it is a developmental uh, time. And I think they've got some, you know, they got some guys in the pipeline, et cetera, and some guys that are playing right now. They're only going to get better, and that's not painting. I mean, I think this defense was so much better than it was a year ago uh, this year. It's crazy, but wow, you know. And what you should remember is what happened in that Michigan game. I mean, everybody should remember that. 
and it's got to get fixed. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Tim, the thing I remember about the Michigan game is Jim Knowles unwilling to get out of zero coverage. Did he do that all season long? I mean, would there be in the secondary cover two being zone, cover one being more man-to-man coverage in the Georgia game, do you feel? Well, we'll see. we're not. the only way we're going to find out is we're going to see, right? Because what, what was uh, exposed is you had players – you had players not make plays, whether it was a coaching problem, like when Kim Martinez let that guy come out and then just run that poster out. And, of course, you, you had to know you had no safety. Uh, it's funny, a team with three safeties on the field most of the year uh, had no safety deep because they were playing shenanigans up front, trying to stop yep. the most vaunted part of Michigan's offense, which going into that game was its running game, and Michigan was able to uh, – uh, take advantage of it. You had a missed tackle on one long touchdown pass. You had a blown coverage on the second touchdown pass. And then you had guys run into each other and then a tight end slip out on the third touchdown pass down the right, down the right sideline. Three different guys, uh, made, you know, made huge mistakes at exactly the wrong time. And it's everybody else was playing pretty well, you know. Now, of course, those two long touchdown runs in the fourth quarter. That was sort of like when you've got a guy down yeah. on the ground and you kick sand in his face mm-hmm. repeatedly, you know what I mean, or or kick him in the nose. That's what those were uh, finally because the dam finally broke when they just got desperate. But, yeah, we will see. We're all – we haven't gotten to talk to Jim Knowles since that game. So we're all really? extremely curious wow. on the lessons that were learned and how they – but he's not going to tell us how they're going to line up against Georgia. We're going to have to watch that. Do you think he will at least admit fault? Because JT's right. Against a team that wasn't known for throwing the football third and 11. The the, the one that really broke uh, you know the game open for them was third and 11. And they bring the house instead of just sitting back playing zone, keeping everything in front of them and forcing them to punt, get the ball back, and go down and take a bigger lead. All of a sudden, instead of 13 nothing or 17 nothing, it's 10-7, and the, the, the game is on. Do you think... He will admit mistakes, not tell you what they're oh, yeah. going to do, but you at know, least admit I mistakes. Said, I, said he hadn't, I said he hadn't spoken to us. He did speak to us after the Michigan game briefly. He did. Okay. He basically All said right. it was on him. I mean, obviously, right. it was, you know, he's going to take the blame. He definitely took the blame for it. But, see, the point of coaching, and you guys know this. I've told you this before. Gary Blackney said this a long time ago, former defensive coordinator at Ohio State. And this is back when they weren't that great. But, uh, but he said, you know, a coach's job, is not to is not to coach players into position to make plays. A coach's job is to coach players to make plays. You know the old Nick Saban thing: keep doing it, not don't do it until you get it right. Keep doing it until you can't get it wrong. But Alabama gives up huge has given up some huge uh, gave up some huge pass plays this year because yeah. that's the reason you throw the ball against defenses like Ohio State and Alabama and even Georgia. Is because that's where the fewer defenders are, and that's where you have a, a shot. And if a guy makes a mistake, or if he falls, or he slips, or he takes a bad angle, uh, you might get a big time play out of it. Even LSU did that in that uh, SEC championship game with their backup quarterback. So stuff like that's going to happen when you play aggressive defense. I mean, you know what? Five times in one game, Tim. Five times in one game. No, no, five too. Five, five too many. Three of those were pass plays, and the other two yeah. were. We're run place. Yeah, so it, it's just frustrating to see. I'd love to see Ohio oh, State get another hey, shot at Michigan. Yeah, Roadmaster, here's the point, though. The point is you can't go back and, you know, 
I know it's crazy. You can't go back and you can't go back and fix that, but you can fix why that happened, okay. and that's what they are because he thinks uh, Jim Bell thinks he has the talent on the on the back end of this defense to play aggressive up front. Uh, okay, but it was proven on just three seven, and those were three plays. Those three pass plays were three plays out of what seventy plays that Michigan ran. You know what I mean? But wow, right. do they hurt? And uh, and those two run plays were just two out of seventy or whatever. But man, oh man, did they make a difference in the mm-hmm. game? And that's what you can't do. And even he will tell you this: okay, you make a mistake, but don't let the guy go the distance. You know? <laughs> yeah. Tim May is our guest here on the Kenny and JT Show. Fantabulous OSU beat reporter. You can follow him on Twitter at Tim underscore May Sports and with Letterman's Rope. Tim, I'm just wondering out loud now. Everybody's talking about what our weaknesses are. How do you attack Georgia? Any weaknesses there? I mean, we've seen a couple of the games they struggle with. Not every game was a blowout. Most of them were. They struggle with the likes of Kentucky and maybe Missouri. How did those teams score on them? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You left out. A, you left out a team right down the road from you. Kent State, yeah. let's Kent go, State. flashes. Hey, no, Kent State hit some big plays. I know. Them. That's what I'm trying to tell you, man. Every defense, everybody thinks Georgia invented defense now over the last two years. They've given up big plays. I mean, they gave them up in the SEC championship game. They gave them up against Missouri. I've watched that game a couple of times just because Missouri had a good plan. They just couldn't finish some drives. You know, and ended up kicking field goals. It reminds you of Ohio State, right, against Michigan. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line was uh, uh, you the way you attack a defense such as Georgia's is you don't flinch. You go right at them with your running game, and you throw the ball down the field with your passing game. If you play this wide stuff, you may, you may pop a wide screen once every – how often does Halley's Comet come by every 77 years? <laughs> anyway, you might pop one, but, you know, when you're playing wide and you're giving them a chance to run to the ball, you know, you're playing right into their hands. And uh, just like with Ohio State's defense, I mean, you don't want to be a quick, fast defense. Uh, you don't want to be – you want you don't want to mess around. You want to – you're in a battle with another heavyweight. You want to throw kidney punches, man. You want to go for the uh, – go for the noggin. You know, you want to – Throw body blows, and eventually, you know, hopefully, as uh, as they'll tell you, maybe they'll have an effect you know, on the third and fourth quarter. Maybe you got a shot, and that's the way Georgia also plays offensively. Is they got the you know the two the two most imposing looking guys on their offense are their two tight ends, Brock Bowers and Darnell uh, Washington. I mean, Darnell Washington is six seven two eighty or something, looks like a tackle, and uh, but can run. And then Brock Bowers, man, he is. They do everything with that. They they run jet sweeps with that tight end. That's kind of crazy when you think about it. But uh, but what you got to do is you got to you got to stand up to them and and know you're not going to get uh, continued drives probably against them. But take your shots just like Michigan did against Ohio State. Michigan ran for what six yards in the first yep. half, but they were trailing uh, what was it twenty to seventeen at the break, right? So. Uh, yep. Ohio State's problem was they only scored three points in the second half. That's what really, really hurt Ohio State. They didn't counterpunch. But uh, the same thing with Georgia. You gotta, you gotta know you're in for a heavyweight fight. It's gonna go all the rounds. I got some information from an NFL scout this morning uh, breaking down that game, Tim, and he Uh-oh. told me the one thing Georgia doesn't do is make multiple mistakes. A lot of mistakes in a game. Uh, he said mm-hmm. they're they're fundamentally sound. 
Um, and if you're going to beat them, you especially in Georgia, right, Peach Bowl in Atlanta, home field yeah. advantage, yeah. you're going to have to play yeah. a perfect game in order to do so, whether he's, whether you're Ohio State, Michigan, or TCU, in order to beat them. Do you think now, the Buckeyes yeah. now, are sound enough him, to do that? Yeah. Did, yeah, but did you ask him, now define perfect game, what does that mean? Uh, no turnovers, yeah. I mean, uh, touchdowns, and yeah. not field goals, Tim. That's what that means. That's what that means. But does it mean how many touchdowns? I mean, you know, if you're punting, if you're punting every, you know, uh, Jim Harbaugh had a great quote after the game uh, against Ohio State. When you play Ohio State, he goes, you're just looking for a stop, man. Every stop, like he said, every stop is like gold because you have put that offense off the field, meaning Ohio State. And uh, that's what Ohio State has got to play that game against trying to get some extended drives, trying to keep the ball a little bit, but also not being wary, not being um, reticent about going for the big one on occasion. And, uh, you know, you've got, in my opinion, even though the uh, Belindikoff Award didn't agree, even though I do vote on the Belindikoff Award, but I voted for uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. for the winner of that. Jalen Hyatt, very deserving from Tennessee, won it. But you've got maybe the best receiver in the country, and you've got one of the elite receivers in the country, Emeka Egbuka, and you've got Julian Fleming, and you've got Cade Stover. Think about Cade Stover in that Michigan game, man. There were a couple three plays there. Wow, he could have been the real he could have been the real star of that game, and uh, it just didn't, for whatever reason, work that day. And uh, so, but you can't be reticent, you can't be reluctant to keep him involved because tight ends, man play such a huge role in the passing game in these big games. As I always say, nobody covers the tight end very consistently. Uh, and in that, re- but, but hardly anybody ever throws the tight end in until they get desperate. And, you know, I think this is desperate times for Ohio State going into this game. you got to be willing to take some shots. And if that's part of a perfect game plan, I don't know. That would be part of my game plan. Yeah, it, just the penalties, uh, you know, that that's reared its oh, ugly yeah. head in bigger games. That has to change, especially against Georgia. The turnovers, you can't have that. Oh, yeah. And yeah. touchdowns, not field goals. Two of the, the, the games they lost, both Michigan games. Why, Tim? Because you're right. Uh, they got them off the field getting three points instead of seven points. If you hold Ohio oh, yeah. State to three points, that's a huge win for you if you're the defense, right? Touchdowns are the major currency in big-time games. I'm yep. thinking back to 1996, Ohio State led 9 to nothing at the half over Michigan. Ohio State was undefeated. They started Joe Germain for the first time ever in that game as a shake-up, a change-up, only kicked three field goals in the first half. And everybody remembers, uh, you know, uh, Sean Springs uh, slipping and Ty Streets getting that uh, slant route and taking it to the house for a touchdown. Everybody goes, but, well, that didn't beat Ohio State. That only made it 9-7 to seven there early in the second half. What beat Ohio State was it didn't score in the second half. You've right. got to score, and you've got to score touchdowns. And you know what? But if, if a field goal is there and it's third and 11 or fourth and 11, kick the damn field goal, man. Don't be stupid. No, I'm with you on that, but if you're first and goal – from the five, and you end up kicking a field goal. That's a loss. Okay, that that's the one that not hurts you, right? That is that is not a loss, but it's definitely a push. <laughs> yeah, uh, t- you and I will agree to disagree I mean, on that point, one. Not until the first point, of the year, Tim. No, not no, till no, the first. Points, points are points. I mean, but you are you are exactly right. But you can't live in hindsight either. You know, like you said, you you know you 
if that's if that's what you did, okay, bingo. But this time we're going to go down there and we're going to score. Well, you still got to do it. You know what I mean? You still got to score a yeah. touchdown. So, you know, get the points the best way you can. But man, don't be reluctant to, like you said, go for the touchdown. How big of a blow for next year's class? Dylan Rayola uh, decommitting from Ohio State, more than likely going to end up with Nebraska, where his uncle's a coach. Yeah, uh, it, it's not over yet in that regard. You think more than likely he'll, he'll end up there, but there's still a year and a half left or a year left on that one. I would, I would, I would not uh, put that totally out of the question. But the bottom line is, yeah, you knew, and Matt Rule, I guarantee you, you know, went immediately. Called Dylan Rayola the first thing as soon as he got the job. I agree with you 100% on that, Tim. Hey, great insight. Yeah, (laughs) no doubt. Great insight. We'll do this maybe one more time before they play that uh, semifinal game. All right, Tim? You got it, buddy. You got my number. I'll be down there, so I'll see you guys next week. There you go. The man, the myth, the legend, Tim May, breaking it down as only he can. OSU beat reporter Letterman Row at Tim underscore May Sports on Twitter. Break time for us. Back with more of the Kenny and JT show after this.